entered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and of the line of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Now this next section is, okay, so what's so big of a deal? What's the big deal? A, a child was born to a couple, okay? Well, we now are taken to the similar region to a message given to shepherds. And here he says in verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord shows up on the scene to tell us what's so special about this baby. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, don't be afraid. For behold, or look, I will bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now I'm going to read a little bit won't be on the screen. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Now this verse should be there on the screen. Verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Now, I highlighted some specific verses on the screen for this reason. It says in verse 9, when the angels appeared to everyone, I shared this a little bit on Sunday, that's right, when he appeared, there was not laughter yet, okay, there was fear, there was actually fear, and the angel said, don't be afraid, instead, behold, look, the verb is see. But it's weird. He says, see good news. I'm saying things to you. You cannot see the words flying out of my mouth. So what is he saying? Look at news. We're not talking about newspaper. We're not talking about USA Today. What does he mean? Look at news. He means the very thing that Mary did in verse 19. When Mary pondered all these things, treasuring them in her heart, to look at good news is to think on it, to, to ponder it, because what you look at affects you, right? What you look at affects you, okay? You might not have seen it, but right before I came up here, one of these candles down here caught on fire, like almost the carpet. So I ran and put it out. I saw it. I needed to act, okay? It affected me. There's some other things that affect you as well. 
Why is it when someone has wronged you and you think on that, the heart begins to get bitter? Because when you look at something, that is, think on it deeply, meditate on it, ponder it, it affects you. What about when you think on things you have done wrong? What happens when you do that? When you let that become the story you're telling yourself, all of a sudden, you move not towards joy, but towards sadness or shame. Because what you look at affects you. What if you let your mind go to the future? But what about this? But what if this happens? What happens? If you let your mind think on that, you're filled with fear. Now let's take a positive angle. Kids in the room, what if you think on something you really want for Christmas and you think on that? What happens? You get pretty excited, don't you? You get pretty pumped, don't you? Uh Uh-huh, that's what happens. You think on it, something happens in the heart. It affects you. What about when you look on something beautiful? When you're out on looking at the mountains or you're out at the beach, the more you think on those things, the more your heart is filled with affection because what you look at affects you. And here, we are meant to know the Christmas story is not only something to hear, it's something to be looked at, to be thought on. That it might affect you because, here's the promise, the more you look at the good news of Jesus Christ, the more fear diminishes. That's the promise. Because what you look at affects you. So, I began thinking, how in the world can we look at Jesus? How can we look at him during this time? And I thought about what we do at our home. We have a Christmas tree. And we have a bunch of ornaments on the tree, but some of the ornaments I brought here with us and I decorated the tree. Now, these ornaments are specifically names of Jesus. On one side and on the back, it's places in the Bible that tell us that that's what Jesus will be named or that those are Jesus' names. So we call it our Jesus tree. So I thought, heck, maybe we should think about a couple of those and dwell on those. But then I'm in a quandary, right? There's a lot of ornaments and we don't have this much time. So which ones do I pick? So then my mind went to another way that you can ponder and treasure good news, and that is through songs. My mind went to one of my favorite Christmas songs, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And when I went there, three names popped out. So we're going to find them on the tree. That's what we do at home. And then we're going to get them. And we're going to look at Jesus. Three names. So let's find them. Which ones? I pre-did this so I wouldn't be here forever. <laughs> okay? But it's still, there's a lot of these. Okay? That's not it. Good night. Where'd it go? It was right here, I promise. No lie. Okay. That's not it either. Okay. Oh, there it is, right in front of me. You know, very front. Okay, I'll take this one. And I will take this one. And, uh-oh, this one looks sketchy. Oh, there it is. Okay, good. I tried to position them towards the front. Okay, three ornaments, three names of Jesus. Let's look at Jesus together. The first one, this is what I hear when I think about Hark the Herald. First of all, Hark the Herald Angels Sing was written by a man named Charles Wesley. 
It was in the first year of him coming to faith in Jesus. He was radically changed. And when he was changed, this was the way he expressed his love for Jesus by writing this song. And so he wrote it. And here's the first verse. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Now, I stop there. Peace on earth. What's the verse we just looked at in Isaiah 9, 6? Do you remember what it said? It said this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and, say it with me, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. So, that's the first one. Isaiah 9, 6. Prince of Peace. Go back to Hark the Herald. When he says peace in this, it is that God and sinners can no longer be at war, but can be at, say it, peace. That is the opposite of peace, that it's war. It's, it's to be against someone, hostile. So the first understanding of peace is that it's not just that God was hostile towards us, we're hostile towards God. We want God on our own terms. We don't want to submit to everything that He says. We want to pick and choose. We want Him to show up when we need a good rescue. But we don't want to submit to Him with all of our lives. This is the peril of human history. May we not say, oh God is a meanie because He's against us. No, we're against Him. And the holy response to sin, which is our being against Him, is that He would be righteously against us. That we would receive the just punishment of our sin. So, how is the quandary solved? Sinner, holy, Savior. How in the world can they be one? Together, unified, and there no longer be war. It's Christmas is how. God sent His Son into the world as a baby so that He could identify with us at every phase of life so that He could put an end to sin. Do you know what happened on the cross? The sin of humanity was placed upon His shoulders and He died the death that sinners deserved. Sin ultimately died on the cross upon His shoulders. And three days later, he rose from the dead to say, sin will not have the last say, and death will not have the last say either. So although we walk in a broken and dark world, we walk and sin tries to ravage our heart, Jesus came taking our sin upon him, dying in our place, even born in our place. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. So that anyone... Not anyone who can perform well enough, but anyone who would trust in Jesus can have peace with God. No longer hostile, no longer at war, but peace. We regularly tell our kids when they're fighting with each other, let's be peacemakers. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? 
And Jesus told him, it, said, it told us in Ephesians 2, it says, And Jesus, he himself is our peace. He is peace himself, which means peace is possible now and is certain when he comes again. It's possible now, meaning we can have peace with others because he has overcome sin, Satan, and death on the cross. We can forgive others because we have been forgiven. We can pursue those who have wronged us. Even though the world tells you to write them off, we can still pursue them because Jesus did what at Christmas? Pursued us when we weren't pursuing Him. Christmas is to highlight one name of Jesus and that is that He is our, say it, Prince of Peace. Peace is not only that war has ceased between God and humanity, if humanity surrenders wholeheartedly to Him, but it's also a condition of the soul. It might be summarized by rest or calmness. But let me tell you this. Every person on the planet is seeking for the heart to be at rest, to be satisfied, to find a sense of calm. Please hear this. There will be no calm of the heart until... Unbeliever or believer repents and receives the good news that you can be washed clean of your sin. And then you will find times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. Sin pushes us away from this beautiful presence. Not that God leaves us. We reject Him. He's always there. But He wants you to have peace this Christmas. So think of him as Prince of Peace. But he's always there, helps us go to another one. And that's this, Emmanuel. Second verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sing goes this way. It is, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come. Now, we get this. Anyone who's ever longed for a gift at Christmas gets this. It is a sense of it's not coming quick enough, right? This is saying late in time. It was like I thought he was going to come quicker. But no, he came just at the right time. It was just feeling late to us. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Now there's something to mess your head up. Virgin gives birth. Take that one and think on it a little bit. Only God can do that. But it fulfills promises upon promises throughout the Old Testament that this is how the Savior of the world would come. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. We don't talk that way much. Some of the best theology in many songs, and that is, He stayed God, but put on flesh. He didn't lose His divinity. He didn't lose His amazing, infinite might and glory, he just veiled it in flesh and did not access everything that he has access to. He took on weakness. He denied himself to access power. Why would he do that? So that he could be tempted in every way that you are and yet was without sin. So that you could be identified with. So that when no one else in the world understands, you've got someone to go to. It is our Savior Jesus Christ. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate, that is, God coming to us, deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our, and say the word, Emmanuel. 
He's Emmanuel. Do you know what that word means? Well, we're told in Matthew chapter 1. Yes, some of you already got it. That's good. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and through 23. It says this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, say it with me, God with us. Just take each word and let it jump off the page by itself. God with us. Creator of the universe. The maker of heaven and earth. The one who has given you purpose. The one who has given you life and breath. He is the one we're highlighting. Almighty. No weakness. No diminishing in glory. He never fades in strength. He is beauty upon beauty. There is nothing you will ever look at or behold that will be more radiant. It is God himself. God with, God with, the creator of the universe with, his presence not removed, not distance, he draws near. Kids, you know what it's like to have a mom or a dad, when you're afraid, put their arm around you and draw you near. You feel close, you feel safe. You know what it's like to be lying in bed and wish that somebody was there. The good news of the Christmas story is that God is always with you. Always smiling, always doing good to you, loving you with a love that never gives up. God with. But the amazing thing is, it's God with us. Sinful though we are. God, the creator of the universe, draws near to us and loves us and cares for us. He is Emmanuel. He's with us. This is beautiful. And this is what the song calls us to think on. Friends, there's not much better. There is actually nothing better than being in the presence of God. And so my family was actually reading this week and a little devotional by John Piper. And in this, he began to talk about, have any of us ever been frustrated during the Christmas season? You know what? Christmas is characterized by great joy. But sometimes it's characterized by discontentment and frustration. And you know what I'm talking about. And you can have those same emotions in like 30-second span. Woo! Excited! Oh, bad gift. You know, like, you can be all over the place. You know it can happen. Or, oh, I was so excited and oh, but somebody then says a cutting word that hurts deep. There'll be times when you'll be frustrated and discontent. There will be those times. John Piper says this, and I found it great help. Maybe some of those times are a gift to you. Here's what he says. Have you ever thought about frustration as a gift? Let's think about it. He says this, he may be doing it for you in the Advent season. That is, graciously and tenderly frustrating you with life that is not centered on Christ and filling you with longings and desires that can't find their satisfaction in what this world offers, but only in the God-man. So, summary, maybe there will be things in your life because they are not God leave you longing for something else. 
They will not be satisfied on this earth apart from being satisfied in Him. The quote goes on. What a Christmas gift that might be. Let all your frustrations with this world throw you onto the Word of God. It will become sweet like walking into paradise. Have you thought about that? When you have a moment of discontentment, may it thrust your heart to say, there will come a day when there will be no discontentment and no frustration, and it will be when I'm perfectly in the presence of God. And so in that moment, when you call out to Him, you can celebrate that He is Emmanuel, He is with you, and He can still give you peace, He can still give you comfort, even when there are some times when you're frustrated or discontent. The last one. He is light. There's place where it says he's light of the world. There's place where he says he's a light to the nations. But he is light. Listen to John chapter 1 verses 4 through 9. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. <clears throat> the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Hear that. Jesus will not be overcome by darkness. By sin. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. It's speaking of John the Baptist. And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Well, who is the, true, who is the light? The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And we know him at Christmas as that child born in a manger. Jesus Christ, light. Why is light important? Well, Let's listen to the song. It says, Hail the heaven-born, there's a first name, say it, Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. Because He is light, He can bring healing to the hurting heart. Because He is light, we need not fear death. We need not fear rejection. We need not fear anything. Because the darkness will not overcome him. His purposes cannot be thwarted. He is light. What fears fill you at Christmas time? What fears might be filling you at this moment? For some of you, it's a fear of rejection. Well, I want you to ponder. I want you to look at Jesus. And we ponder that he came to earth at Christmas to be rejected for us on the cross so that he would never have to reject you. He is a prince of peace so that you would not have to be rejected even though others might reject you. What about this? You might be afraid of being made fun of. Afraid of not being perfect, not being accepted. Well, Stop and think deeply this Christmas on Jesus. The fact that when others don't accept you, He fully accepted you. Mistakes or not. And He loves you. He was perfect so that even when you're not, you might know His accepting love. What about this one? You're afraid that you won't have everything you need. Well, here's a good promise that you can look at with your eyes. Ponder and meditate on. Romans 8.32 it says this, that if he did not spare his own son, hear this, 
but gave his only son over for you. If he can do that, the hardest thing, how will he not also, with Jesus, graciously give you everything you need? If he can do the hardest thing, that is crush his son, when his son was perfect and had done no wrong, and treat him as a sinner even though he was not, if he can do that, and yet raise him, on the dead, raise him from the dead on the third day, how, will then, how can you not trust him to give you everything that you are going to need? If he can do the hardest thing, he can do the easiest thing, and that is give you what you need. Christmas tells you that you need not fear. He will meet your needs. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And so, this Christmas, I pray, you look at Jesus as Prince of Peace, you look at him as Emmanuel, God with us. You look at him as the light of the world who shines light into the dark places of your heart and promises that darkness ultimately will not overcome him so you can have hope. This is Christmas. And to you, I want you to first hear this and then we're going to sing Hark the Herald. I want you to hear this. Some of you in this room have never trusted in Jesus. You might have been to church a ton. And I know that many might be here just because family came. But I want to tell you, the point of Christmas is this. Why did he have to come at all? It's because no matter how hard you try, you will never on your own be able to remove the shame and guilt that you feel or try to numb with substances or other images or other relationships. It won't work. He came. He came to do what you couldn't do. He came to save. And he came to seek and to save the lost. Those who've lost their way. Those who've never surrendered their life wholly to Jesus. And so today I want you to know the greatest Christmas gift is not what you're going to be able to give to somebody else. It's what was given to you. The opportunity today to surrender your life wholly to him and to find him as peace, to find him as God with you, to find him as a light in your dark world, the only one who is able to mend brokenness and to heal your heart. I encourage you today, not you give to him, you receive from him what he has already done for you. That's good news. Ponder it and treasure Jesus in your heart today. Let's pray.